Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Amen. I want to teach on the subject this morning, the gift of goodbye. The gift of goodbye. Gentry, that's good. Thank you. I uh, went to Alabama this past week, me and my wife and our kids. And uh, the kids wanted to stay. And we left Sunday immediately after church. The kids wanted to stay until Saturday. Uh, We came home first thing Wednesday morning. and uh, it was interesting because I am uh, I'm nostalgic by nature. I like to watch old TV shows. I, the Andy Griffith show is still my favorite show, and I, I think boy, that would be that's the time to be alive. Not today. They didn't have social media back then. Glory to God. And I grew up in a really, really, really tiny town, a town of about 600 people, and uh, no red lights. Um, three stop signs, no grocery store, part of a post office, and half a restaurant. Okay, that's where I grew up. And it was interesting because I always, I'm, I told you I'm nostalgic by nature, so I, I like to drive through the old, I, I, would, I almost said city, but city is, that's a strong word, town. I drove through the town, and uh, I, I, it's interesting because I see what used to be. I see what used to be, and I remember when I was growing up, the little town that I'm from, it was a wonderful place to grow up. It was small enough that everybody knew everybody, and there's some good things that come along with everybody knowing everybody because you have a lot of relationships and you have a lot of social connections. And then there's some bad things that come along with everybody knowing everybody because everybody knows everything. Y'all know what I'm saying? Y'all grew up in Knoxville. You don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all in Knoxville. That's how it is growing up in this small town. So we were driving through the town, and uh, part of me was, was uh, uh, shocked over the fact that way back when this town was full of life, and now it's full of death. And part of me mourned over the fact of what used to be. It's like if you ever look at pictures, you ever look at pictures of your kids when they were babies, and you experience conflicting emotions at the same time, because part of you celebrates where they are, but part of you grieves over what was that will never be again. I've actually met some parents that don't handle that process very well, so they never let what was pass away. They try to keep their 18-year-old in a 10-year-old mentality because they can't say goodbye to yesterday and embrace tomorrow. There are some things in your life that you have to learn to say goodbye to if you're ever going to be happy. As you progress in life, I'm getting three claps. I'm going to, it's okay, I'm coming here, I come. All right, it's, it's all through life, you're going to have to redefine what happiness looks like to you. Because if happiness looked like 20 years, you're going to spend your life aching over what used to be that will never be again. It is one thing to have an affinity for yesterday, but it's something entirely different to ache to recreate yesterday. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are some things in your life you just have to say goodbye to. There are some people in your life that you just have to say goodbye to. There are some opportunities in your life that you just have to say goodbye to. So when we get into this text, we find a really, really, really interesting text right here. We find David. We find David king over all of Israel and all of Judah. And you know the story. He raped Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. We tell people, we've always preached that he slept with Bathsheba. He did not just sleep with Bathsheba. He raped her. 
because he was the king. And when the king calls you to your bedroom, you don't have a choice. He called her to his bedroom. He raped Uriah's wife, and then he killed Uriah on the front lines. And then Nathan, the prophet, God sends the prophet to David. Aren't you thankful that when you blow it, God can send some voices into your life to straighten you out? Listen to me and listen to me good. It is vitally important, vitally important, that you never cut off the voice of correction into your life. Because if you cut, turn me up, Brandon, turn me up, Will, because if you cut off correction, you're done. Because if you cut off correction, you're done. It's what the Bible talks about, hardening your neck. He actually said in Proverbs, he said, he that is often corrected but hardens his neck will be cut off without remedy. So God sends a voice of correction into David's life. It is always fascinating to me in this church culture that we're growing up in and that we're developing where you can't preach hard and you can't talk about sin and you can't get real plain and we're cutting off the voice of correction that God is trying to use us to bring us into a fuller dimension of himself. That's what the Bible meant when it said the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but they will heap to themselves teachers who have itching ears. Do not cut off the voice of correction. So he sends Nathan, and Nathan goes up to David, and he begins to tell him a story. There was a rich man, and there was a poor man. This rich man had tons of livestock and cattle, and then there was a poor man who had nothing but a lamb. He treated it like one of his own children. And then a traveler came, and instead of the rich man taking one from his his abundance, he stole, he ravaged, he ransacked the poor man and gave him his lamb to the traveler. And David, with all of his self-righteous, vehement indignation, says, the man's got to die. And then Nathan said, hang on, because you are the man. Can you imagine David's shock? The man's got to die. You are the man. Isn't it interesting how viciously we condemn in somebody else's life what we have a tendency to ignore in our own life? Ain't nobody with me this morning. Ain't it interesting how we like to talk about everybody else's kids and where they're falling short, and we completely ignore what's happening in our own house. Let me give you a little bit of wisdom. If you will focus on your own stuff, you'll be so busy trying to sort out your own stuff, you won't know what's going on in everybody else's stuff. Thou art the man. Jesus said it this way. He said, you are ignoring the beam in your own eye and you're preaching about the speck in somebody else's. I was working with a church a few years ago. We were working on developing their leadership team and, and you had this old curmudgeon, this old self-righteous, glory to God. You know, he was one of those kinds of people, he was awfully proud of how he turned out. Y'all know those people? Awfully proud of how he turned out. He knows everything about everything. Right? Wants to have a theological debate about something obscure because he read a Wikipedia article and now he's an expert. Right? And me and the pastor have been talking about this guy because the, he had been giving the pastor problems. And uh, he, was, he, would, uh, he, was, he wouldn't show up to prayer. He wouldn't show up to serve. He always showed up on time for church. That was the thing. That was his thing. He always showed up on time for church. Glory to God. She punctual. Hallelujah. Didn't tithe. Mean to his wife, but showed up on time. Glory to God. And he called the pastor in for a meeting and said, I don't think there should be anybody on this leadership team, on that platform, that don't show up on time. 
That's fine. Let's start cutting off people that don't tithe either. The man's got to die. You are the man. That's why Paul said, if I will judge myself, won't nobody else judge me because I'm too busy getting myself right. I'm too, I can't, I don't even have time to acknowledge or see what's going wrong in somebody else. I'm too busy staring at my stuff that I'm not looking at your stuff. I pray for you. I love you. I'll help you if I can, but I've got to judge myself. So it says, you are the man. And then this is what Nathan says to him. Y'all with me this morning? And we'll get to the we won't get to the good part, the the the, the exciting, inspiring part, but we gotta go through the it's, it's a process. So he tells him, You are the man. And then he says, You killed Uriah with the sword. And now the sword's never gonna leave your house. Because you brought the sword, the sword's coming back to you. We used to say it this way in Brilliant Alabama. What goes around comes around the bible says it this way you will reap i need somebody to help me preach this this morning you will reap what you sow you talk about everybody else's kids people gonna start talking about your kids in just a matter of time you start condemning everybody else's marriage people gonna start talking about yours in just a matter of time because if you bring the sword it's gonna show back up that's why the bible said blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy i don't have time to be throwing stones at you if you come to me i'm gonna be lobbing mercy grenades over your direction because i need mercy People ask me on social media all the time, what do you think about this preacher? What do you think about, what do you think about this preacher? I don't know him. I know what I, didn't you hear half a sermon? Could you believe he said that? Right? Christians are the absolute worst at understanding context. No clue. Absolutely no clue. I'll see people on Facebook, T.D. Jake sells out. Stephen Furtick going to hell. And then I will listen to what they said and what they said made sense to me. Right, but you got it off righteousangrychristians.com <laughs> and they all going to hell as far as you're concerned preachers fall in ministry and people tell me what do you, did you hear what's going on with this young? I had somebody text me last week a real popular evangelist got 800, 900,000 followers on Facebook something like that and he said, he said what do you think about what's going on with him what do you think I didn't even know what was going on because I was so busy doing my own stuff I'm not trying to chase down the rumor mill. Some of these Christian news sites y'all go to is like the National Enquirer for Believers. Y'all need to knock it off. <laughs> y'all okay this morning? What did you think about him? What did you think about him? So I didn't know. So I Googled it. So I Googled his name. And then just like just a barrage. He messed up. He blew it. He made a mistake. It was a bad mistake. What do you think? I think he deserves mercy. That's what I think. Because the Bible said, take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. I'm not going to talk about anybody else's kids. I got three that I'm trying to raise, and I need all the mercy I can get. I'm not going to talk about anybody else's marriage because I've got one that I'm tending to, and I need all the mercy that I can get. I'm not talking about anybody else's church or anybody else's sin. or any, I need somebody to help me or anybody else's struggle because I don't want to use the sword, and then the sword show back up at my house.
house. What I want to use is I want to use grace, and then I want grace to show back up in my house, and I want mercy. Is anybody with me this morning? Shout yes. Christians, boy, I tell you, walk around awfully proud. Been raised in the Baptist church for 400 years. Glory to God, right? And your wife hates living in the same house with you. But that's very much beside the point, I suppose. But bless God, you on the board. You own a deacon. I could keep going because. <laughs> so the sword comes to David's house. And the Bible says that God tells him, Your boy's gonna die. And then David goes into a war unlike anything he's ever been through. It was one thing to fight the Philistines. It was one thing to fight the Hittites and the Amorites. But now I'm fighting for my boy. And the king is laying in the mud. Won't eat. Won't drink. Won't talk to nobody. The fighting. Working so hard. Even though God told him. It's over. Working so hard. Getting so Worked up that they thought he might could go off the deep end and do something crazy. Isn't it amazing how hard we will work to keep something alive that God's already shut down? Ain't it amazing the relationships we will work to keep alive? That God's already shut down. Ain't it amazing the opportunities we will work to keep alive something that God's already shut down? Isn't it amazing? You, I've seen, you ever seen people that they get in a relationship with somebody and they completely change? And I don't mean for the better. I mean it absolutely sucks the life out of them. And then they come to me with that hollow look in their eyes and they say, I don't know what's going on. This is what's going on. If being a part of this means I have to quit being all of me, then the price is too high to be a part of this. No, no, y'all, I need somebody to help me this morning. If being a part of this means I have to quit being all of myself, then I don't need to be a part of this. Let me say it to you real plain. There are some people in your life that if they can walk out on you, you need to let them walk. There are some doors in your life that people will close to you. And if they close, you need to let them close because God's got another door that is waiting for you on the other side. Quit, listen, quit trying to talk people into being your friend. Quit trying to beg people to come hang out with you. Quit trying to ask people if they want to connect. You just do you. And if they walk away from you, you got to let them walk. Can I get a witness from somebody? You need to quit spending your life trying to win over people that were never assigned to you to begin with. I need somebody to help. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Huh? If that job didn't work out, walk away. 
Quit talking about the boss. Quit talking about the employees. Quit talking about, well, they had something personal against me from the day one, and it was her talking, and it was him talking. Let it go because God's got something else. Anything that God takes away from your life, you don't need to begin with. You hear me? You hear me? If God took it away, it's because you don't need it. Everything you need, you've already got. No, no, no. Everything you need, you've already got. I know what it's like. That's why I call it the gift of goodbye. It's like the 10th spiritual gift. You've got to learn to tell people goodbye. If God's not required you to say bye to somebody, you ain't even serving God right. That's what Jesus meant when he looked at all, every, all the 500 and he said, you can eat my flesh, you can drink my blood, or you can get out of my face. And then they all left. And then he turned around and looked at the other 12 and said, you going to go too? I'll go find 12 more. But... Uh, but I'm not going to change who I am just to make sure me and you get to hang out from time to time. If you can walk away from me, then you need to walk. I learned this the hard way as a pastor. I've been in ministry. I've been in ministry over 20 years. I learned this the hard way as a pastor because when you're 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, people start leaving your church, you start taking it personally. Right? And a lot of times they tell you it's personal. Well, I didn't like this because of this. And I didn't like that. And you, you did every, you've done every single thing wrong. Everything. And I remember when I was younger, I would, I would, I mean, I would get depressed. I would get depressed. I would be like, dear God, am I even called to do this? I must be the worst human being in the world. I mean, the way they put it, I mean, I might as well drive the car off the cliff and save humanity. I'm the face of evil. I'm reprehensible in their sight. Right? Church people, boy, you don't know. <laughs> and I learned early, learned early. Every time I have to talk somebody into staying, it was a mistake. Every time I had to look at somebody and I said, now if you will stick around, we'll give you everything you want and you can be the associate Episcopal presiding bishop apostle over the outreach committee and if you will stay, I will put your kid on the worship team even though they ain't got a lick of talent, but if you will stay. Every time some, I had to talk somebody into staying, it was a mistake. If they feel like it's time for them to walk, because saying goodbye is not a gift you give them saying goodbye is a gift you give yourself I need somebody to help me preach it this morning so David's fighting to keep his boy alive even though God already shut it down it's the same thing as God telling Peter Jesus telling Peter I want you to follow me I'm going to make you a fisher of men and then when it didn't work out the way Peter thought it would work out Peter goes back fishing Remember that story? John chapter number 20. Remember that story? Peter's fishing all night, can't catch anything. Your Bible says that when Jesus saw him, he was naked. How hard <laughs> must you be fishing to fish yourself straight out of your clothes? But it's amazing how hard we will work to keep something alive that God's already shut. Oh, God Almighty. God tells him, boy's going to die. And David's, David, David, David's fasting and, and he's praying and he's, he's laboring and he's, 
he's believing and he's asking and he's doing everything he can do and and I, I see this all the time in relationships and I'll change who I am and I'll I'll cut my hair the way you want and I'll wear my makeup like you want and I'll say what you want me to say and I'll do what you want me to do and I'll become I will become the embodiment of the perfection of the image that you have in your own mind and people try to live up to that and the bottom line is it violates everything that you are as a person and you can live in that way but it will never be enough to somebody that doesn't honor you for who you are if they don't love you for you then they don't love you they will never love the you that they're trying to make you into they don't love you they love an image that they have in their head and that image does not exist right I mean we all have the image in our head you have the image of the perfect husband okay right you read about him in the novels number one he has muscles that one's done scratch that off the list Long, flowing hair. Scratch that off the list. He writes you love poetry and toothpaste and leaves it on the mirror for you when you wake up. Scratch. Let me get a little bit more realistic. He wakes up with the kids instead of you. Scratch that one off the list. (laughs) Huh? When we had our first daughter, I had this mentality going in. I thought... She's not going to be young forever. She's not going to be a baby forever. Okay. So whenever she wakes up in the middle of the night with my wife, I'm going to wake up with her. And my wife will feed her and I'll put her to sleep. And I did that. I did that. Went to work delusional half the time because I had six minutes of sleep. And so I did that and I prided myself on that. When number two and three came along, I see y'all in the morning. I got things to do. I've been up late night seeking God, reading the word. I can't be getting up. <laughs> so he tells him, the boy is going to die. David's fasting and praying. that They come to him and they, they're apprehensive to tell him because they know how involved he is. And they tell him, he's dead. And David has the completely opposite reaction that everybody expected. Because they expect him to snap. They expect him to snap. But instead he gets up and he moves on. Because there's sometimes in your life you've just got to embrace what has been lost and you've got to move on. You've got to wash yourself, pick yourself back up, wipe the tears off of your face, and you've got to move on. You've got to give yourself the gift of goodbye. Because if you spend the rest of your life weeping over what used to be, you will never become everything God's called you to become. I'm talking to somebody in here this morning that you need to stand up, change your clothes, wipe the tears out of your eyes, and move forward into everything God's called you to be. I need somebody to help me preach this this morning. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? No, 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 no. Sometimes you just got to move on. Sometimes you just got to move on. And you know what David did? I lost son number one. So Bathsheba, where you at? I'm going to have myself another baby, right? 
Because sometimes what you lost, you got to turn around, just do it again. And then see what God will do through you. It's the same. I want you to think about Adam and Eve. God spoke to Adam and Eve and said, there's going to be a seed that passes through your loins that's going to crush the head of the serpent. Through you, Eve, is going to come the redeemer of the entire world. And then Eve has Cain. And then Eve has Abel. And then Cain kills Abel. Now, he can't be the redeemer because he's so messed up himself. We can't get redemption through him. Can you imagine the predicament that Eve was in when she knew God promised me redemption was going to pass through me? I had two boys. One of them killed the other one. What are you going to do, Eve? And the Bible said Adam knew Eve again and gave her another son named Seth. What did she do? She picked herself up and she moved on. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. If you lost it, it's because you didn't need it to begin with. And here's what's funny about the story. David lost his son because of his own sin. And when you lose something in your life, you, you, never, you never find David wallowing around in the mud saying, if I never would have messed up, and if I never would have blown it, and if I would have been a better leader, and if I would have been a better father, and if I would have been a better husband, you never find David doing that. Because when you've lost something, it is not the time to sit there and overanalyze what happened. Where did it go wrong? Where did I screw up? How can I fix it? When you've lost it, it's time for you to get up and move on. I'm trying to help you white folk, I'm telling you. Huh? Look at your neighbor, say, move on. Say, move on. Look at him, say, say, it's over. Move on. Now, there are situations in here and circumstances where I believe that God's probably told you to believe for something specific. If, God, if you're believing God for a child, I'm not saying dust them off and tell them the devil is lying. You moving. I'm not saying that. But there are some people that your entire world is based upon them patting you on the head and approving of you, and it's never going to happen. Know what you need to do? Goodbye. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> Even if you did get that raise that you feel like they're holding you back. Goodbye. Don't need it. Everything I need, I've already got. Everything I need, I already got. Everything we need to make this church, everything God wants it to become, it's already in the house. I'm not praying for people to come from the north, south, east, and west. Everything we need, we've already got. Can I get a witness from somebody? I said, everything we need, we've already got. And if people feel like they're supposed to connect to something else, there's no hard feelings there. There's not a problem there. I believe you go do whatever God's called you to do and connect to wherever God's called you to. But how do I feel about it? The gift of goodbye. Because hmm? some of you spend 20 years mourning over what it used to be. And it's never going to be again. I talked to a young lady recently. Precious young lady. She was in a relationship with a young man for seven years. Seven years. And it was turbulent. The worst team, you guys can come on up. It was turbulent. It was crazy. They were, they, you could not have found two people that were worse for each other. I ever met people that you're just like, y'all do not need to get married. Somebody's going to end up in prison. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like, y'all fight, y'all argue, y'all have been physical in your dating relationship. Sure, let's get married and make it permanent. And then throw kids in the middle of it. Because that will make it better. 
I've known young women that purposely try to get pregnant by their boyfriend because they think he won't leave then. If he don't love you enough to marry you, a baby will make him leave quicker. Talking to this young lady, I'm talking to this young lady. Her and this young man, seven years on and off, up and down. I'm talking about it was a Dr. Phil episode if I've ever seen one. And they, you know, they, they broke up and got back together so many times I can't even count. And they broke up one time. And two weeks later, he was married to somebody else. Right? She was still believing he's the one. When everybody in her life was telling her. This is a horrible idea. You're headed for the cliff, and we're here to yell at you and say, stop. So he gets married. She tells me, I'm still believing God for me and him. Here's how we spiritualize it. Because God told me he was my husband. So in the eyes of God, their marriage isn't even legitimate. Hey, 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 sugar plum, sweet pea, this ain't cupcake. It's going to be hard and it's going to hurt. Let me tell you what you must do. Goodbye. I know that's extreme. That's an extreme example. I use it for that purpose. But there's some people in your life and some things in your life and some circumstances that cause you the same amount of grief that you still believe in God for. And you're laying on the ground, David, fasting and praying. Spiritual warfare everywhere, anointing everything. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to get up move on. Because if you don't have it, it's because you don't need it. And I know that can sound hateful and jaded toward people. Well, if you leave, I understand that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I've learned to believe God enough that if he leads other people elsewhere in my life or other opportunities elsewhere in my life, then he's got something else for me. And he's got somebody else for me. Because he's proven himself faithful over and over and over again. Has he been faithful to anybody else in here this morning? Stand up on your feet with me. <laughs> oh, man. Some of you need to fully, finally, forever kiss some circumstances goodbye and let me say this too there's an interesting story over in Genesis this story always bothered me Abraham has a baby by a woman named Hagar that history teaches us was a slave in his house now it wasn't Abraham's idea it was Sarah's idea. And when he gets Hagar pregnant, 
she says, cast out the bondwoman and her son. I want you to listen to me. This is very important. Cast out the bondwoman and her son. This is what she's saying. You take this single mama and her baby and you kick her out on the street. And God does not intervene. There are some situations in your life. I've seen my family members go through this. I've seen my family members go through this. Well, if I let them go, they might do something crazy. If I let them go, they might not ever come back. If I let them go, they might hurt themselves. And you know what you've got to do? You've got to believe that God's big enough to take care of them. You got to believe that God's big enough to take care of Hagar and Ishmael. When he tells you to kiss it goodbye, you've got to kiss it goodbye. Am I talking to anybody in the house this morning? I walked a lady, uh, there was a, a precious lady who was going through a divorce. Heartbreaking, devastating divorce. She believed God, believed God, believed God. For two years, three years, four years, believe God, finally got to the place where she couldn't. And she said, I feel like if I let him go, then he'll go off the edge and do something crazy. They'd been divorced for five years. She was still believing God. And I'm never going to be one to tell somebody to stop or start or end up or quit. Or I'm never going to be, that's between them and God. But I said, you cannot make your decision based upon what you think they might do. God's big enough to talk to them all on his own. Now, y'all with me? I watched my mother-in-law walk through this. Y'all, listen, listen to this. My mother-in-law, she believed in God for her marriage. Her husband was radically unfaithful. She was believing God for her marriage. She believed God for 13 years. He had been unfaithful from year one for 13 years. Radical unfaithfulness. I don't mean a slip up. I mean radical unfaithfulness. Some of her closest friends, radical unfaithfulness. And she's this incredible woman of God. My mother-in-law, just an incredible woman of God. And every time she would find out, it would just be heartbreaking and devastating to the point that finally she got to the place where she was numb. And so every time she found out about it, she would immediately go to her prayer closet and begin asking God, Lord, I pray that you work in my husband's life. God, I pray that you do a work in him. God, I pray that you mend this relationship. God, I pray that you do a work in his heart. God, I pray that you break all this off. And she did it year after year after year, year 10, year 11, year 12, year 13. And then she found out about another person. And as soon as she found out about it, she went to her prayer closet. She got down on her knees. And before she could go into the whole religious spectacle that she always went into, God, I'm asking you to do a work in his life. The Lord interrupted her and said, stop. Bring that down just a minute. He said, stop. He said, you've been standing between me and him for 13 years. And now I need you to get out of the way so I can deal with him the way I want to deal with him. Not to judge him, but to love him and bring him back to restoration. Get out of the way. You know what God was telling her? And David got up and had himself another baby. Because whatever you lose, God never just restores it. God always restores more than you lost. 
That's what he means over in the Old Testament when he said, if your ox goes and eats the corn out of somebody else's field, you restore them back fourfold. If your kids break something in somebody else's house, you go buy them two of what your kid broke. What is he saying? When I get ready to restore something, I don't give you back what you lost. I give you back more than you lost. Oh, because... Lift those hands to him. Father, we thank you this morning. Lift those hands to him. Father, we thank you this morning for your saving, redeeming, restoring, forgiving power. We bless you, Lord, that you are a restorer. And every relationship and every situation and every opportunity, you will restore back. Listen, listen. Stop, stop for just a second. Listen. Can, can I tell you something? This, this always freaked me out. Y'all with me? I need you to be in here. with. I need you to engage with me. Are you with me? Not only does God restore what you lost, he restores more than you lost. Not only does God restore more than you lost, he said over in Joel, he said, I will restore the years. Somebody needs to give God a praise on that. Not only will God restore to you what you lost, God will give you back the time that you lost. I'm going to say this right now. There's not another church in America I could preach this in and people be like, so good. Jesus is so good. Praise God. What is that? He's going to restore the years that you lost. As a matter of fact, he told Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. It was supposed to take Jonah three days. But the Bible said that what was supposed to take him three days, God empowered him to make it in one day because he will restore to you the time that you lost. All the years that you were crying about it. All the years that you were worried about it. All the times that you stayed up late night asking God about it. The Bible said that God will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. If you believe it, this morning, lift your voice as loud as you can and give him a praise. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.